Now a stretch on the left, a shot, kick down, kick safe, and a beauty from Hill. Somehow Veneers got through unmarked. Now a loose puck, sliding save by Hill. What a combo! Aiden Hill flashing all over. Nobody is ever satisfied with one, so we're back for a second hour of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Oh, and a loose puck, it goes into the goal. The Knights have made it 2-0. Jonathan Marcheseau, Johnny on the spot. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com, here is Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Talking a few different teams, uh, we're going to give some uh, flowers out to people who are off to great starts, both uh, individually and uh, more specifically team-wise in this hour of the VGK Insider Show. That's on one-timers, news notes from around the National Hockey League. Might dip into it a little bit sooner. We've also got a $50 gift certificate to BrewDog, and that's over on the Strip. And uh, Bruce Cassidy coming up. Uh, he had some interesting things to say as the Golden Knights return to practice today over at City National Arena ahead of tomorrow's date against the Los Angeles Kings. This is a, a week in which you've got a chance to exhale, rest, recover mm -hmm. after the chaos of uh, the league-leading 13 games that they had played in as of Sunday. Yeah, just a, a couple of games this week for the Golden Knights. You've got uh, tomorrow against Los Angeles Kings, and you've got San Jose on Friday. And a weekend off, right? No, no game Saturday or Sunday for Vegas. Uh, so that's... You know, certainly going to, I, I would assume, help uh, heal some of those bumps and bruises that you typically get over the course of an 82-game schedule. And I would expect the Golden Knights to have a lot of, uh, of of energy going into the game tomorrow against L.A. Didn't see Chandler Stevenson up there today mm -hmm. uh, at practice. Uh, we'll get into that in just a little bit. But first, let's uh, bring in Bruce, who talks about uh, a couple of different things personnel-wise, including uh, Zach Whitecloud. Uh, what the uh, prognosis is for a return for White Cloud's first game of the season, and also Alec Martinez, who missed the last outing. Here's Bruce at City National Arena. Didn't see us. Chandler Stevenson, Nick Bay, Alec Martinez, Nick Wasto out there. Uh, Stevie is a maintenance day uh, through the weekend, a few bumps and bruises. Uh, Marty skated early. Um, he had some bumps and bruises going into Anaheim. We made a decision. I, I don't want to call it load management because we don't do that, but we had a healthy D. It was back-to-back. -back. We just felt the extra rest going into tomorrow would do him good, so he'll be in the lineup tomorrow. Uh, Nick Waugh skated early, not ready yet, and Whitey's in red with the team, so that's good. He's closer. He won't play tomorrow. Um, he needs to get into full contact practice with us, so it could be as early as Wednesday or the road trip. But um, Nick Hag, nothing new on him. Did I miss anybody? That's it. And you've dealt with this quite a few times this year, but you've had to play your ninth defense team quite a bit, and yet your team obviously is still atop the league in terms of standings points. What does that say about your group? That means we have a, a good group of defensemen. Uh, the guys we're putting in have helped us win games, so there's no issues there of using them. Um, We'd like our top six to be healthy eventually. Like we feel that that gives us the best chance to win, but we have no issue using our depth at all. And it's shown they, they can play in the league. Um, I think they've bought into how we want to play as well. And, and they, you know, so they, they bring attributes in that regard to help us win. Um, our forwards have always been good at reloading and helping our D out and to, to control their gaps and make their, their play easier. So that helps as well. If you have forwards that leave D on an island and they're young or still find their way in the league, then that can be a problem too. So 
credit to the you know the whole group. For when younger guys get playing time early, like because later on, how much does it help you have confidence in them? Well, it helps their confidence more than anything. Like later on, if we need to play them as coaches, that's just the way I've always felt. That's the way it is. I mean, they're going in and. If they were in Henderson, then we trust Henderson is getting them ready to play. I've been in that chair a lot. Um, you know, I've never kind of worried too much about, now if it's a slew of them, that can become a problem, but um, you should be able to win in this league with different people in your lineup um, during the season. You get into the playoffs, a long run, of course, it makes a difference, but um, so to answer your question, it gives them confidence. They're coming. We're going to use them. If you look at our, our time on ice for the guys we use that are called up, it's there's always going to be an exception to the rule. But we're not sitting there going, we're only going to play this D ten minutes tonight. He's going to play a regular shift. He's going to be protected against certain matchups if we feel they have an advantage. Or but if he needs to kill a penalty or be on the power play, Korzak's been on the power play. Paul kills penalties for us. Heidi's been on the so whoever's going in, if that's something they do well and we're missing that, then they'll get their opportunity to do it. So I think we've handled them well that way, the guys going in, that they know that they're going to be relied on to play X amount of minutes. They're not just there to be a cheerleader, so to speak. And uh, I think that helps them because I've also been in that spot a, a long, long time ago when you come up, if you don't feel like the coach has trust in you, then it's always going to affect the player. So we have to project that to them. And then it's up to them to get the, the job done. And they've done a good job with it. He's doing a good job. He really is. His, um, you know, the, the end zone part, he's got down very well on when to close. So he understands seams and, and his responsibility. So stick. Uh, he's been a threat to go the other way with his pace and, and his ability to separate in a hurry. We saw that in Anaheim, as, you know, just the other night. Faceoffs is where we want him to keep working on it, right? He's a right stick with Nick out. He's our right guy that we rely on. So we'll keep keep reminding that's an important part of it too, of, of penalty killing. If you get the first clear, it always makes your life a little bit easier. So uh, like the job he's done, um, I don't know if he's been victimized at, at all this year in terms of where we go back and say, boy, that Jack, you're really running around there in opposition. Of course, he's not perfect, but for the most part, uh, I think he's handled his job really well. <clears throat> Last year, you guys talked about taking pride in being able to reset, good or bad, on the next game. I know it's only one in terms of the loss in Anaheim, but have you seen that early on? Win or lose that? Yeah, I mean, it, well, it was win. Let's call it what it was. We won every game until Anaheim. Sorry, we lost one in overtime, and I know we weren't happy with that game. Um, and we talked about that immediately, and I think we responded. Um, we went into LA and played better. Uh, again, after the Chicago loss. And then the Montreal game we won, we knew we weren't at our best. And I thought we responded well against Winnipeg and even better against Colorado. So yes, I feel like our guys have a standard they want to play to, even if you're winning, if you're not getting close to that standard that they want to play better. Um, and the Anaheim game, I thought circumstances, um, our fourth game that week down a few people, and that's not an excuse, I'm saying circumstances, I thought we started the game really well for a team that was rested and waiting for us. And then we carried that over in the second, got a little loose at times. We had a couple of two-on-ones we gave up. But I thought we were in a real good position to win the game. And, you know, they had a better stretch of 12 minutes than us. And that ended up costing us. And that's the NHL some nights. you got to play 60-minute games. So I suspect the guys were not happy. Uh, I know having a day off is, is good to sort of kind of flush some of that. And then tomorrow night we got to 
divisional rival that's playing really well, so we'll have no problem getting up for that game. So uh, I don't think it would have mattered what happened in Anaheim, to be perfectly honest. We're going to be ready to go um, on Wednesday, and that should be our mindset. Mm. Two coaches in the front of Along the lines of the defensive reinforcements, you mentioned Sunday that you felt that was one of the best defensive performances of the season. You said you're looking at the numbers and see if it was the best performance. How did it turn out once you looked at the analytics of Sunday's game? And what does that say when you're seeing teams having their best defensive performances without half of the defensive regulars in line? Well, I thought it was one of ours. I thought we did a good job. Circumstances, again, they didn't press us early. We weren't in trouble early. I don't know that we gave up a quality chance in the first period. When you come in, into a, a home team situation, that's always your concern. Are they going to jump on you in the first 10 minutes? So I liked our response there, how we played. Uh, the analytics didn't completely back up what I said, but I had a conversation about that. So I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to be a little stubborn on that. I don't believe we had a ton of high-end chances, and I'm going to stick to that. I think there were some two-on-ones in the second. But the third period, I think they scored three goals on three shots, right? There might have been an off-net one that you know, it was a half decent chance. So I thought that tells me it's not sustained. It's not a blitz. It's not sustained pressure for the whole period where we're just underwater. Um, they were, I thought their, their, their goals, they, they were give them credit, but they weren't, you know, these high end where you just could come to the bench and you're mesmerized. They were just, I thought they got some fortunate, um, I don't want to say bounces, but you know, the pucks had eyes and they went in. Even their empty net goal started out about three feet wide and finds a way in. So sometimes that's your, that's the way it goes. So, uh, but it tells you what it tells you is John's done a good job getting those deep prepared to play. The whole staff has. They do a good job when it's their turn to come in. I don't think they were on the ice for any goals. Huddy, Korzak, or Pahal in that third period. So that tells you something about the job they're doing for us. Um, unfortunately, we didn't win the game, but I thought they played very well for us. And going back to the original question or your question. They can play. They can play in the league. We've got to trust them to play, and we have. So I think it's a, it's worked out well because both teams are, are, are the coaching staff and the players are, are kind of doing their job in terms of what the expectation is, and they're getting it done on the ice. I'm with them on the game against uh, Anaheim in that third period. That was mm -hmm. a one-off, and you do that 10 out of 10 times, you're going to win. Ten times, even though you just lost one. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that yeah. that math doesn't work. <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't be ten out of ten times. But you have a two nothing lead. You give up five total shots, yeah, and one of them's from the other end because it was an empty netter. So yeah. really four shots, uh, and there was a debate on on, on that. Uh, you're you're going to become successful, and that was just hockey gods evening things out uh from from earlier whatever but it's that's a that was a total <laughs> fluke the other night it, it it speaks to the chaos theory of hockey sometimes right like mm -hmm. this is a a game that at times can feel very random there are there are breaks that will go against you from from time to time you kind of wish that they would happen in a game where you know maybe you're up four nothing or five nothing but the fact of the matter is like it happened in this game you flush it and you go back to work again tomorrow L.A. Kings tomorrow, and something that Bruce said during his availability today jumped out at me, and it wasn't phrased this way. It wasn't followed up in any type of question, but I interpreted it hmm. this way. Alec Martinez not playing on Sunday as far as an approach of pacing him. Mm -hmm. He's not totally healthy, so you, you don't run him back out there. 
That is a compliment to what we've seen in the play of Braden Bahal and Caden Korzak yeah. in being recalled. Alec Martinez plays that game at the start of the season mm -hmm. before the Korzak Bahal influence that, that we've witnessed in the first 13 games. I, I'm with you there. Um, they've been really good early on this year for the Golden Knights, and I think a lot of that, again, has to do with the players kind of taking their game to another level. Uh, but, you know, Bruce talked about the trust, right? Like you, as a coach, have to trust that those players can come in and give you the type of game that you need from them. They've done it. The coaching staff has done it. Everyone has kind of held up their end of the bargain, and that allows you to – allow Alec Martinez a couple of extra rest days to be able to get himself ready to go for uh, a bigger game in terms of the division, which is L.A. tomorrow. And, and I think that the emergence of those three players, the experience that they're getting right now, will only help the Golden Knights down the road in the regular season. And it's amplified because you didn't have Nick Hague in the lineup yeah. on, on Sunday. Yeah. You didn't have Zach Whitecloud in the lineup no. on Sunday. Even more of a reason why Alec Martinez automatically plays sure. on yeah. Sunday. Yeah. And they chose to go in a different direction, mm -hmm. which is huge progress mm -hmm. on this organization's back end in the draft and development side of things. So let's go down the blue line angle. Okay. Zach Whitecloud's getting closer. Mm -hmm. He's in the red jersey. He's got to get a full contact practice in, but it looks like it's either – Friday or mm -hmm. next week. Sure. Road trip. I doesn't sound like tomorrow, but mm -hmm. anything could happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nick Hag will be back at at some point here. Mm -hmm. you, the the starting six being rolled out there is in our our sights. Right? Should be. Yeah. What happens when those guys come back from an ice time point of view. And the reason why I bring this up, Haig and White Cloud are the best third pair in the National Hockey League. Yeah. We're stealing that from DJ Smith of the Ottawa Senators, the head he coach got there. I think he got it right. And and we watched that play its way into actuality last year. Yeah. So dependable with, with, with that pairing. Where does their ice time go? When they return, we, we know uh, Petrangelo and Martinez. Mm -hmm. We know Theodore and McNabb. They're 23 minutes for on a, on a regular night for mm -hmm. Petrangelo yeah. and or Theodore. Yeah. And everybody else is down to 19 minutes sure. for those four. Do you see a point where Hag and White Cloud? are right there with them mm -hmm. or do they stay just maybe a 45 seconds to a minute below and i asked that question because right now caden korzak who's played seven games this year mm -hmm. is just shy of 16 minutes a game yeah uh, ben hutton is 15 31 he's your seventh guy yeah uh, Braden pahal is over 16 minutes yeah that's your seven, eight, and nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Between 16 minutes and 1531. Sure. Your five and six, you would think, mm -hmm. would be above that. Yeah. So I think we're looking at 
at a another transition or evolution, mm -hmm. fluidity uh, of, of this defensive core. White Cloud and Hag aren't going to play 24 minutes no. ahead of Petro or Theodore. Right. But beyond those two big boys with their power play time, mm -hmm. which will add to it, do we see an interchangeable four pieces on that on that back end where the minutes could be completely balanced or White Cloud and Hag could be your second, third mm -hmm. in ice time mm -hmm. at, at points this year? Yeah, I, I absolutely think that we're we're on the cusp of that, right? Based like, on this based, based on the ice time of Korzak, Bahal, yeah, hundred percent Hutton. Yeah. You're you're looking in that direction. You're looking at you're looking at like the the eighteen and a half to, to nineteen and a half, almost twenty minutes. Like you you could see that reasonably that if you're able to balance everything else out. And again, as you mentioned, you're going to get more minutes for Petrangelo, power play, penalty kill, five on five. You're going to get more minutes for Shea Theodore, power play, certainly. But when it comes to the rest of, of your defensive players, if you've got Haig and White Cloud healthy and in the lineup, I think that as even a split as you can get among the, the rest of the four, the better off you're going to be. And, and we know that Haig and White Cloud can handle those minutes because we're seeing – as you mentioned, seven, eight, nine, handling a load that we've seen in the past for White Cloud and Haig. We're not in the eleven-minute range, no, and being hidden, no, not at all. They've they played, so you've got seven, eight, nine playing roughly fifteen minutes, fifty seconds a game. Yeah, we'll call it sixteen. Sixteen minutes. Yep. Okay. Right now, mm -hmm. your other two defensemen on the big big two. Mm -hmm. And I'll just go with McNabb and Martinez are 20, 20 mm -hmm. for McNabb and 19 for Martinez. Yeah. If the other guys are going, if Hag, who is 19 minutes right now too, if Hag and White Cloud go up from the 16 that 7, 8, 9 are playing, yeah. the other guy's got to come down a little bit. 18 minutes all the way across. Is it? Possibly. Could be. Or is it who's going that night? We've seen that too, right? Not like, a lot, though. Not a lot, but we've, like seen, it, we've they, seen it from time to time. They, they're pretty – John Stevens has been pretty regular before that. Ryan McGill, mm -hmm. pretty regular. Ryan played his horses even more. Yeah. Uh, you, you've got your, your, your Shea and Braden and your uh, Petron Martinez. Mm-hmm. Normally, we'll we'll get those regular rotations. Sure. And if there's power plays or special teams, that that'll affect the other two. I I think I think this is a, a year in which the the best third pair in the league mm -hmm. might enter the same conversation that the best fourth line in the National Hockey League was talked about last year. Mm. They're not eligible, like Kolasar. Wah and Carrier, mm -hmm. at times last year, we ruled them ineligible to be, be the yeah. best fourth line in hockey. Because they're not a fourth line. Because they weren't a fourth line. Yeah, I'm with you. Because they played above. Sure. They played in the third line. Yeah. Are Haig and White Cloud on the verge of being ruled ineligible to be called the best third pairing in the NHL? Because 
they won't be played as a third pairing. Yeah, well, I, because they get more ice time. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that what you're looking at right now for the Golden Knights is you've got you've got a top play, a, a top pair, right? Petrangelo, Martinez, or you can even at time like depending on how Shea Theodore is going. Who, who it is? I I don't know. I, I mean, right now to me, it's Petrangelo. Yeah. Right, because of everything that he does. But he's your alpha. He is. He is. But we saw in the absence of Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore's late game go to another level too. Um, but I think you've got a top pair and you've got two second pairs. When when Haig and White Cloud are healthy, I think that they can give you the minutes that you would ordinarily ask of your second pair. I really do. And it might be a situation where you you look at it and one night you've got more minutes for Hague and White Cloud, one night you've got more minutes for for Shea and and Braden. But at the end of the season, I think from an average time on ice standpoint, like we're we're probably looking at a pretty balanced attack for the other four guys. Five on five ice time mm-hmm. when they have their starting six will be something that I will be zeroed in on. Focused. Yeah. Just to see where those minutes go. Are allotted. Yeah. Power plays and and shorthanded situations. Uh, you've got uh, great strengths with Theodore and Petrangelo and uh, Martinez mm-hmm. and McNabb yep. and White Cloud uh, kill penalties. Uh, and Haig is a hybrid. Yeah. He can see some power play time. He can also with that long reach kill kill penalties yeah, for you for sure. But five on five ice time. I don't know if there is truly going to be a two-minute difference mm. between your top pair and your third pair. Is it is it two? Is that too much? Should it be three? I think It's two. as close as I've I think, seen I think, any team. I think two might be it. I think two might be right on the money. Because, I, again, I, I don't see that there's going to be considerable drop-off at all from your top pair to your third pair. That's a credit to Hag and White Cloud and what they went through last year and getting better. They're going to be better. They when We haven't seen Hag and White Cloud t- together much this year. I believe... I'm pretty sure they'll be a pairing though but they'll they'll be yeah. together. <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be to me like one that I'm I'm focused in on because those two guys work so well together and they've gotten better. They're going to be better. And they were already the best third pair in the league last year. They don't match a lot. Vegas doesn't match a lot. Sure. Forward lines, forward line, D to D. Mm-hmm. D to forward line. Yeah. They they don't play that game a lot. They they're very comfortable with all three of their D pairings, especially when those starting six are are in. If there's no penalties in a game, this will, will by the third game where the starting six defensemen are back. I will do this. It's not fair to do it the first game uh, <laughs> that Zach Whitecloud's back, sure. or if if Nick Hag uh, is 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 back uh, as the last guy. But the third game that they have all six in the lineup together. Okay, I'm going to do this mm-hmm. to see five on five until there's a penalty. How they roll them out. Okay, is it just roll them? Mm-hmm. Is somebody double shifted? Mm-hmm. Or is it Petro, Shea, White Cloud? Yeah, those those pairings and how how consistent that is. It it doesn't happen in the National Hockey League very often. You, 
if you're up by ten, mm-hmm. yeah, you'll just you'll just uh, we're on a rotation, guys. Sure, yeah. And I say normally saying if you're up by ten would be out of this world, but it <sighs> actually has happened in the last week. You are playing San Jose this week, <laughs> uh, but it might be in a, in a normal close tied game mm-hmm. where you have the ability if you're John Stevens and the confidence. Everybody's got the ability, but the confidence to be able to legitimately go out and just roll your D pairs. Yeah, I, I think that that's absolutely Outside on the of table. special teams. It's absolutely on the table for this team. Looking at the the minutes today, mm-hmm. it, it jumped out of me. I didn't realize that Korzak and Pahal had averaged that many minutes a night. I knew game to game sure. what they do. Yeah, but through the seven games for Korzak and through the eleven games for Pahal, and that just again kind of goes to show you what Bruce was talking about there in terms of trust, right? Like you want players to come up and you want them to feel empowered and you want them to feel like they're going to be able to contribute uh, the way that you would want them to in the spots that they're going to have to play. And the trust that Bruce Cassidy has shown in Pahal and Korzak has been really helpful to their ability to go out there and play the right way. Did you hear what he used as an example when people get called up? to put them in the lineup in the proper spots and not just hide them. Hmm. He hearkened back to his own playing days there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he referenced very subtly being called up and being in that position. Yeah. Now, he, he was that way as a player. He experienced that in being called up with the Chicago Blackhawks, and he had to coach in that situation uh, in the American Hockey League watching – guys be called up mm-hmm. and be played either in their same situation or not getting that chance and coming down and then having to to deal with that. So he he would have to in some ways manage the back end if mm-hmm. a player was recalled and was played out of their spot. Sure. And didn't get the chance to succeed to have to build that player back up confidence-wise when they went back to the American Hockey League. Yeah. Now he's on the other side. He wants to make sure that that player gets the best chance to succeed. And you've seen different spots for it, whether it's Dorfia playing with William Carlson. You want yep. to put him in that spot yep. because he's, he's comfortable there. Uh, whether it's uh, Caden Korzak uh, in an offensive role mm-hmm. or if it's more of a defensive uh, opening that they have to fill, Braden Pahal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. It, or lefty-righty. And it's And it's – it's really interesting because he's he's got that perspective on it from all different angles, right? He's got the the player, the player pers- party and never leaves you. No, it, yeah, because that's that's what you know best. But but it's also about that that long term development, right? And you want players coming into a situation where their confidence isn't going to take a hit, where they're they're put in a spot, they're put in a position where you believe they can succeed, that that plays to their skill set and. You know, your hope is that they, they're able to take that opportunity and, and play well. And to this point, it's happened. And the next wave, Lucas Cormier, mm-hmm. where does he develop? Yeah. A smaller player. Sure. Different athlete, has to defend differently. Mm-hmm. How much does that play a role into it? Daniil Miramanov. Yep. Don't forget about the Miro man. I know. I know. I, I, I haven't. He's rehabbing off injury. Yep. He gives you a very dynamic look. Mm-hmm. Love this, the player. That you have between Korzak, Pahal, 
Amir Manoff. Mm-hmm. Three guys went healthy, can play in the National Hockey League. Absolutely. Hands down. Cormier coming as well. Yep. And with all due respect, some other players who I I don't think are on that cusp in that conversation sure. just yeah. yet. Yeah. But but certainly making uh progress. Yeah. Very healthy. The the position of strength within this organization on defense. We you know when the different publications will do their prospect rankings. Mm-hmm. The, the the depth that they have on the blue line and the drafting and development side. Yeah. It took a while to get there, trading some first-round picks, but these aren't first-round picks. No. These are players that were scouted, drafted, and developed, and now you have a position of strength when and if and when, mm-hmm. or I guess when, you have to move on when players age out. Yeah. I, they're they're set up well, incredibly well. They're the defensive core organizationally is an embarrassment of riches. It really is because as you mentioned, like you've got Pahal and Korzak making a an impact right now. If Miramanov was healthy, he'd be a guy that's that's it right there too. And we're talking eight, nine, ten, eleven deep. If you start to push Cormier into that spot too. And and that's really where the Golden Knights' strength has been their their ability to fill in on the back end, get some really meaningful minutes for some of the younger guys the last couple of seasons, and now they're flourishing. It's it's almost like they have certain players for certain spots. Yeah, definitely, right. definitely. So Korzak's been compared to White Cloud. Yep, along along that approach. Pahal, but, but could he be? Could he be uh, a Martinez? Mm-hmm. I, I got a, a more veteran player. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty close. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Pahal is Brady McNabb. McNabb. Yeah, right. Yep. Hard nose. What's Mirmana? <sighs> could be a could be a Shea. He could be not not the not the level that we see from from high high end Shea, but he's got a a thought process for the offensive mm-hmm. game that makes him incredibly unique. Similar to a uh, Hag, sort of. In, in that tall, lanky, yep. I think defending is still a work in progress mm-hmm. on that side. Uh, I, I want to see more body of work there, mm-hmm. but the ability to have an impact on the power play, like Shea, yep. right? So it's 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 odd that it works out this way, <laughs> where you have guys that are along the same line. A Cormier would be like a, a Shea too. Yeah. There's no uh, Petros. He's He's a unicorn. Yeah, he is. He really is. The more you watch him, the more yeah. you, it becomes very much apparent that he is such a unique and special player. And he wants to learn every day. That's the best part about about Shea. I've watched him do some some one on one skates mm-hmm. with with coaches, and his level of interest mm. in getting better and learning new skills and taking things from other players and adapting them into his game. If he sees something that that works, or just having a suggestion brought towards him and do that. And he'll, there, there's back and forth. There's, mm-hmm. okay, why do you want to do this? Yeah. Do convince me of that. And him taking it. It's be, being able to spend time in his world yeah. is fascinating from a hockey perspective. That's that's as much X and O as we've done in a long time. Yeah, it is. Uh, with, with the blue line. Let's give away that $50 gift certificate right now. All right, let's Brew do dog. it. Brewdog, $50 gift certificate. Caller number 10 
You're a winner. 702-876-1340. BrewDog Las Vegas rooftop restaurant and bar with the best views of the Strip. Go to BrewDog.com slash Vegas locals for more information. BrewDog, $50 gift card, 702-876-1340. Caller number 10, you're a winner. One-timers coming up next. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for One-Timers. One-Timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Get to it, just if you didn't hear the news, uh, Jack Campbell, the Edmonton Oilers goaltender, in the second year of a five-year, $5 million per mm-hmm. contract, has been put on waivers by the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I don't know whether they're going to actually go through with sending him down to Bakersfield or they're just seeing what is out there, whether somebody picks him up. Nobody's going to pick him up. Uh, <laughs> or whether they're going to have another move in on the back end of it. Yeah. But that is the... Uh, that is the only move so far that the Edmonton Oilers have made in reaction to the second worst start in the National Hockey League this year, second only to the winless San Jose Sharks, and those two teams will play each other mm-hmm. later on this week. Yeah, it, it's going to be fascinating. I, I'm telling you, as as much as last night for me, Vancouver Edmonton was appointment viewing. Uh, <laughs> Edmonton San Jose on Thursday is going to be absolute fire. I cannot wait for that game. Okay, what's you, what's the result that you're looking for there? I I don't know what I'm looking for. I just I just want to see what happens. I want to see if the Edmonton Oilers look like the Edmonton Oilers against a team that they should look like the Edmonton Oilers against. I want to see if if Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl can like right the ship offensively. If they can find their game again. I I want to see if San Jose is going to like compete hard and try to you know make this even worse for the Oilers I I don't know it could go in 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 a lot of different directions it could be like a, a low scoring affair because what if Edmonton wins six nothing are you disappointed are you bored uh, no because I don't think that's going to happen no 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 I'm asking you if if, if Edmonton, Edmonton wins six nothing are you bored or six two are you bored I'm not bored because then you could you could be looking at the the, the fixing of the Edmonton Oilers. I think that that's, that's impactful. That means something this year. If, if the Oilers go out and wax the San Jose Sharks, they put up six or eight or 10 or 12 or whatever. Like, you can look back at that moment potentially as the, the, the moment where things changed for the Oilers. Or if they lose to San Jose, oh boy. Yeah. I mean, from a chaos perspective... Edmonton losing to San Jose would be the ultimate chaos theory in the National Hockey League this year. All bets are off after that. Yeah, we've we've gone through this where there's been uncomfortable moments. Toronto a couple of years ago. Yeah. Toronto last year, uh, for the start. Thought Sheldon Keep was in the hot seat. Toronto up until last night when they came back and yeah. won. Yeah. Good point. But this this is a whole new level. It, it was awkward watching that game last night. It really was. It was uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, Nick Backstrom, Washington Capitals, unlikely to play again this year. Wow. Which probably means it's unlikely to play again. He had the hip resurfacing procedure. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize that how uncommon it is or how problematic it is to come back from that surgery. Yeah. Not many people have, have gone down that road 
and being able to come back and have really strong careers. Patrick Kane is trying it right now. Yeah. He's rehabbing, and by all accounts, it's going really well. But others in the past have, have had difficulty, and Nick Backstrom is one of those. It's where they go in and they, they clean out everything in the, in the hip socket and, and make it smooth again, and then you don't have any more pain. And it's it's been it's been a challenge for Nick Nick Backstrom to be able to come back from that. They Max Pacioretty's making progress from his Achilles injury. Yeah, uh, they would love for him for a different position, but uh, they would love for him to be able to get back and be able to uh, chip in. But uh, I was uh, I was educated in how difficult it is from this from this procedure. That's that's something I, I hope to never ever experience in my life like i i, I hope surfacing yeah i hope i'm never in a position where i need a hip oh you won't resurfacing no you won't yeah you, you know what you would do what's that get a hip replacement, hip replacement. yeah yeah the right. only reason why you do the hip resurfacing gives you a shot yeah you can't you can't play with it yeah in the national hockey league with yeah a fake hip yeah with a hip replacement you, you can barely play thursday nights with a hip replacement but the hip resurfacing gives you a bit. It of, gives you a shot, yeah, uh, a shot, it. and doesn't doesn't sound like that's uh, uh, going positively for no. Nick Backstrom as he's going to take more time off this year. Uh, from from great starts, yeah, uh, this year, who have you been most impressed with? Which team? I, I mean, it's it's the Boston Bruins. It, it just is. And listen, I get it. I do. I. You look at the year that they had last year, and even without Bergeron and Krejci, you start to think about, okay, well, how how much of a regression point are you going to have from like 135 points in the regular season? Like even even a regular regression there is is still going to be a very very good team. But Bergeron and Krejci are not just two players, right? Like spe- specifically Patrice Bergeron, I thought there was going to be a struggle early a lo- on. A logical thought, yes. Yeah that the Bruins were going to have time adjusting to a roster that did not have those two players, a life without Patrice Bergeron. And I don't know, maybe Brad Marchand is just like the best captain ever to bridge that gap because there's been no slowdown with this team. If Vegas wins the next two games, they become the best 15-game team to start a season. Yeah. Boston can also get there. They absolutely can. If they win the next three. Yes. I talked to Charlie McAvoy at the start of the season in the player media tour on the Chirp podcast. And I said, well, it's, it's not going to be as good as last year. You got to kind of got to get your head around that. And he's like, yeah, well, you got to manage expectations. You get, it's not going to be as easy. Well, what do I know? Hmm. And, they, and But they've done the last few games without McAvoy. Yeah. In lineup. Anybody it, else? surprising. Uh, uh, for me... I, I probably am I'm, I'm having a hard time, I guess, wrapping my head around the Vancouver Canucks, to be to be quite honest. Like, you look at this team, I, I don't think that I had 9-2-1 as, as their first 12 games. I really didn't. I You know, Quinn Hughes has been on another planet. Elias Pettersson's been phenomenal. Um, they've had their big guns going for the majority of the season. Thatcher Demko's and been, been good. And too. And, yeah, and they've been getting, they've been getting contributions from everywhere. Um, you know, I did not see the Vancouver Canucks as kind of that team in the Pacific Division to really rock up the standings. So I'm I'm quite surprised by them. I'll throw LA in the mix at mm-hmm. seven two and two, a team that went to Australia in training camp 
and came back. Yeah. That alone makes it impressive. Yeah. Never mind that uh, that you're off to one of the best starts in franchise history. And the New York Rangers, mm-hmm. new coach, weren't really blowing you away in training camp. Had some injuries during training camp and are without Shesterkin yeah. the last couple of games. Yeah. We're middle of the pack, meandering in the, at the start of the season. But, I mean, they're, they're 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. They're 8-2-1 and one overall. Yeah, I, I, six, I mean... And by the way, 6-1-1 one one on the road. They, they're playing tonight at home. It's just their fourth home game of the year. Right, and, and without Shesterk in the last couple, that's, that's the impressive part for me because, you know, I think... When you've got a, a goaltender as good as Igor Shesterkin, there's always going to be a natural drop-off. And, like, I know Jonathan Quick's there. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Rangers have been impressive. I'm still going Boston. I'm still going Vancouver as as kind of the ones that surprise me a bit more because, you know, the expectation for the Rangers is that they're a team that should be right there. They should be legitimate contenders in the Eastern Conference. And, and they're, they're in that window where... This is prime contending years. I wasn't sure how it was going to go because they made a coaching change after back-to-back 100-point season. There's a disconnect manager-coach there. Sure. Uh, Anaheim Anaheim as well. How about Tampa without Vasilevsky? Yeah. Good start. And Detroit as well. Well, they're they're staying in it, right? Yeah. Tampa's staying in it. They've lost four games in extra time. They've managed to find points there where maybe those would get away from them. I think the Red Wings, too. Good start for them. No. <laughs> not, no. su- not surprising. Well, I, I, okay. I think it good, is. Good, a little good bit. start, but not surprising. Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa were all expected to take that next step. Mm-hmm. Yes, however. So having Detroit have a good start was there was pressure on them to do that. They Buffalo right now. They've lived up to their expectations. Buffalo has been a disappointment at 500. Detroit has lived up to expectations to take that next step. Well, I just think back to when myself and Ryan did the show of... I thought it was Buffalo. He 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 was... You were pretty adamant about the fact I thought that it, it was be, not going to be the Red Wings. Yeah, I thought it would be Buffalo. I thought it'd be Ottawa. I, I wasn't super high on the You got Detroit. runway left. Yeah. yeah. Lots of runway left. Time. But, you know, we're talking I mean, good starts. Like, let's let's be honest. The, the Ottawa Senators, that's that's disappointing to start. Yeah. And, and I get that there's been distractions surrounding this organization, pretty much the entire season but that's four and six is ridiculous for that team i'd say more disappointments than than good starts buffalo ottawa peter shirelli mentioned as a possible general manager candidate there Mm -hmm. uh with the ottawa senators boston uh, obviously has experienced edmonton so i thought i'd mention that those are your one-timers we'll be back with catching up with chapman next on fox sports las vegas When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Have you ever thought of getting a t-shirt made? That says what? Catching Up with Chapman? Yeah. No. Why? No. That would be cool. When I worked in minor league baseball, I had my own t-shirt. What did it say? Party Boy. Party Boy? No. During pitching changes... I would get up on the dugout and dance like an idiot and throw frisbees and t-shirts <laughs> into the crowd. And they started playing a song called Call On Me by Eric Prides. And I would dance around like Party Boy from uh, 
the television show Jackass. That's what you did. That's what I did. That was one of my... When you work in, especially rookie ball, in a very, very small front office, there are only four people uh-huh. who worked in the front office, you do a lot of odd jobs. Like, I worked in concessions, ticket sales, and danced on the dugout like a complete buffoon. In the same night? Sometimes, yeah. Did, did people notice you when you were selling them tickets? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, more, yeah. No, no. I, I want to know, did people know that you were the same guy dancing on the dugout that was serving hot dogs? Well, I don't know about that. It's it's entirely possible. But, yeah, with the Idaho Falls Chuckers, I, I was, oh, and my favorite was one time I had to dress up like the mascot because the one. normal mascot. I would love to be the mascot one day. Well, you don't want to put, no, no. If you do, make sure you get that suit fresh from the dry cleaners. Because you do, were talking you about dry clean, you you, ha- you have to clean the inside because you thought porter potty smelled bad. Oh, <laughs> it took me days to get the smell off of me from wearing that thing for an hour. Nightmare. Wow, catching up with Chapman T-shirts. Let's do that. I'm in.